0: Hey yo, what the fuck is a palace sh- right here? The late night flight is paid for by the following. Give so us I a story. Give us a story. Give us one of them little crazy Nigeria Ingram stories in <laughs> Cuba. Come on, talk to us. Let's hear about it.
1: Okay, so I have a boyfriend in Cuba named Tony.
0: Okay, here we go.
1: This is this is an actual real life story. So um, when I uh, all five of us went to Cuba, all girls, we go there 2017. We have a tour guide that speaks English as well. And he takes us to this cave and the cave have, you know, you can climb walls and jump down, whatever, you know, I don't swim. I don't know how to swim. My parents didn't let me go to the YMCA when I was young. So unless I was learning how to swim in a bathtub, I don't know how to swim. So I'm just sitting there, you know, looking cute. And this guy come to me and he just starts speaking Spanish. And the whole time I was in Cuba, people just kept coming to me speaking Spanish out of all five of us. And I even said to the tour guide before, like, why people come to me? He like, oh, you look like you can be from here. You know, like you got the features, the skin tone, like, you know, this is probably why people come to you. So this guy come to me and he started speaking Spanish and I'm like, "Mm -mm, yeah, I don't know what you're saying. And he was like, you, you, you speak French. And I was like, nah, just English. And he was like, you pretty and I was like, you look good, too. And he yeah. was like, he said, can you be my girlfriend? And yeah. I was like, oh, that's what y'all do out here? Like, first conversation, boom, just girlfriend. And I was like, yeah, I'll be your girlfriend. What, what's your name? And he was like, Tony. And I was like, well, I have a son. And he was like, bring bring him here. I'll take care of both of
0: you. It's a bunch of us. It's a, I'm in the colony. Hold on. Her- everybody on a mountain, mar- everybody marching for a young nigo like me to get tsunami on it. I'ma get it, I'ma win baby. I'll be on my curvy till I crash a bird for the unattacked. Yeah, I'm making nerdy if it's at the appellation to the ablation. I'ma do whatever that they take to make up like a nation. Hold on.
1: And now, here are your pilots, the informative Hanif Sowell and the greatest Henny Badger who has ever lived, Nasur Nuru.
0: In my opinion, Hanif, in my opinion, all right? I believe that Raekwon and Ghostface are the two best rappers on the Wu-Tang. That's just me. hmm Now, they're going to be battling this weekend. Now, in a way, we're supposed to act as if we know what happened already because we recorded <laughs> earlier because you about to take your vacay, my man. We want to make sure that we give our consistency to the people. But I guess let's just go ahead and just throw these predictions out here real fast. Let's just make it happen. If you started off and I'll just follow up. We'll just get this going real quick. Let's just make it happen.
2: Right. So my predictions, I guess, and for me, Raekwon, it takes the edge because Purple Tape, you know what I'm saying? Incarcerated Starfaces, his verse on uh, Cream is what takes me over the top. Like, I bang with Ray. I think Ray, Rayquan the chef is probably... Uh, Method Man is the best lyricist in the Wu-Tang Clan. Whoa. But then Ray Quan would be the close second for me. What?
0: Method Man, your best lyricist in Wu-Tang? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, what about the Jizza, The Rizza? I mean, not old dirty bastard, but the Jizza, The Rizza.
2: Raekwon the chef, you Ray- guys. Yeah,
0: no, no, not you guys. Hold on. But definitely <laughs> Raekwon. Definitely you guys. Go- I mean, not you guys. Oh, my God. messed up his name. I'm talking about Ghostface. Ghostface and Raekwon. I mean, yo, listen. I- I'm not knocking him. I mean, Method was dope. Method is dope. He not dead. Method is dope. You know what I'm saying? But um, Damn, damn he said Method was the best lyricist. But yo, we'll find out this Sunday. Well... Technically, we we don't really know. Let's just say we know a winner. All right, honey, who you think gonna win? You said Rayquan, right? I, I think Rayquan going had the best bangers in that. I think Rayquan is a he's first of all, he's a dope lyricist, but if I do get to take a little quick jab at Rayquan, I think he's the poor man's version of Nas. Um mm. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Ghostface. Ghostface, you know, just realistically, had the better career. Not necessarily. The better rap artist, I mean, I'm gonna say he' the better rap artist, but I'm not here to make that comp- uh, make that uh, compare and contrast. I really think they're both on the same level. Ghostface just got that voice, his voice is very distinct, and he know and he has a character. I think that's what Raquan misses. Raekwon doesn't have a character that necessarily goes and play with, uh, I guess, rap gimmick, if you want to use that term. Like ghost face come on some Yeah, you like, oh, Yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever you said, ghost. And Rayquan is just laid back. Hey yo, what up? Yo, what up? Yo yo, what you mean? What up? You good? Yeah man, you know what I'm saying? Give me a quarter juice in some black and Mal coming out. You'd be like, oh I right, I right, Ray whatever you need like black and Mal. You said, right? Yeah, some sunflower seeds. Let's connect later though. Pit, okay I I you true yo Rayquan a good dude. You know what I'm saying? You always want to link up. You know what I'm saying? Do some business. Yo, that's a real black man right there. Politic, ditto. Feel me You're like I right, all, right, all right. I got it's you. It's real, son. That's the yeah, that, that go hard. It go hard, though. It go hard. you think we got some Facebook questions up in here, though.
2: Yeah, so I am known as the informative Hanif SOO. And I think a part of that is because I am the inquisitive Hanif SOO. So there's a few questions that I've had on my Facebook. And um, I wanted, wanted to get your take on, on some of these things. All right. Uh, just quickly, how come when women are mad at their man, they post pictures with their cleavage showing? When they're mad at their man, yeah, like they beefing what they do. Like you, if you in a relationship or a woman is in a relationship, and her her man is beefing, next thing you know, she posting
0: shots on Facebook and her cleavage is showing. What is what is she trying to trying to do with that? I don't know what she trying to do, but I'm trying to make her madder. Shoot, I'm trying to like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm trying to like more of those pics. <laughs> she going to be you like, yo, why it- is my man liking all my pics? I'm like, girl, do you see what you putting out here on these streets? Yeah. Just, man, shoot, you know my thirst <laughs> s- going to sit there. I'm going to like that. Um,
2: another question I have is, how come when women take breaks from sex and they decide that they want to be celibate for a little while, that they come back doing new tricks and more freaky stuff?
0: What's happening? Okay, so there is a two-way street with that. So you have some women that's definitely doing the Drake, you know, practicing all that good stuff. That's happening. The practicing, that's happening. That's definitely a... That is happening. But there's also some women that will take a step back and watch a little uh platform, if you will, called Pornhub. Okay, mm. And they like to educate themselves... Sometimes they may want to leave you for what they already saw, but, you know, listen, you, you got to be secure. <laughs> you got to be secure. You just got to be secure.
2: All right. How come women don't uh, make freshly baked cookies from scratch so that when their man come home, he gets a, a good
0: snack from work? So because we live in a warped out generation, like, I don't know, Hanif. If you're, if you're catching this vibe, but the whole, like, think about it. We're quote unquote millennials and we're frontline millennials. Like we're like the first people that was called millennials. You know what I mean? Like, right. congratulations, Hanif. You are a millennial, you know? And now we deal with the Generation X people. And realistically, they're not really too far from us. Right. That's a whole nother vibe. That's a whole nother vibe. Like that vibe is manufactured from 45-year-old great-grandmothers, okay? Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. You know what I'm saying? So the, the thing is, wait, what are we talking about?
2: Uh, Why well, women aren't baking cookies for
0: men when, for when they come home from work. Those great-grandmothers wasn't baking cookies. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Those great grandmothers were not baking cookies. They were at Marlowe's. They're at Foxtrap. All right.
2: Uh,
0: they out there getting hennied out by, uh, by a couple of brothers. You know what I'm saying? And they saying, listen, let's go to the Benedict after. And they like, well, f- it. You know what I mean, I ain't got to be home till six in the morning anyway. So yeah. let's just go on hit it. You know what I mean? And if they got a child, if they got a child, then it's like this. Well, look instead of going to be there until 7 in the morning, shoot, I'm just, I'm about to weigh that out. I'm about to just be here at 5.30 a.m., but just slide right in here. That's crazy. Amy, you got the kids? They got cereal? <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right.
0: So my last question
2: is, how come Sony from the movie Set It Off didn't fill out Fast Performs to get her brother financial aid she G- definitely qualified for a Pell Grant. She didn't have
0: to sleep with Nate to pay for his college. Maybe she wanted to sleep with him. <laughs> <laughs> and, and still got a thousand out of it. You know what I mean? Like, yo, that's... Yo, listen. The power of you know what. <laughs> my, whole, my holistic friend was over here earlier before we started recording. My holistic friend. And she had me watching... Now she, she didn't have me watching, but it was just on, so we watching it. Where these women were, they were basically owning this cannabis this cannabis company. And they're doing drive-bys. I don't know if that's the right term, but I guess deliveries, pickups, drop-offs, those type of terms. And they were just so pro-woman. Just, I mean, mega pro-woman. I'm talking about, they were saying terms like, I just want y'all to know as a person, as a woman that works in the plant, I work in the plant. And I know you, I know what you're thinking, but no, I work in the plant with all the plants. And I just want you to know that all these plants, all these great potencies that you're, that you're smelling and what you're tasting, they're feminine plants. And all the women was like, oh, I was like, yes, they are feminine. That's right. It start, look, the earth starts with us. And I'd be like, yeah, sure. Like, <laughs> what, what can I, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not here to to discredit any of that. It's, it's, sure. it's dope that it's encouraging. It's just funny to me because they definitely, yeah. I don't want to say feel, but, you know, just for the, for the sake of the conversation, they definitely feel that men have, or the tradition of men have done something where it has disenfranchised them. Who's your top five most
1: powerful black women of all time?
0: Okay, so, just to let you know, just to let you know, bro, gotta let you know, bro, that I definitely took your word to heart. Powerful, okay? Okay. Not influential. Got it. Powerful. I'll give you a quick example. Michelle Obama is influential. Mm. That white woman that run Germany is powerful Mm. okay okay Kerry Washington is influential but Regina King is powerful Mm. I just want you to know there's a difference for me for me for me for me absolutely okay so I'm gonna give you my five okay I'm gonna start from the bottom work my way from the top okay you ready with me you ready ready I'm ready. Okay, so number five is Kathy Hughes. She is the president and CEO of Radio One and TV One, okay? Mm-hmm. Alright, that's my number five. Number four, I have Shonda Rams. We all know who she is. Hmm. Okay, I have a number four. I have Sheila Johnson at number three. Sheila Johnson is the wife of uh, who's the dude that runs BET? Robert Johnson. Ah. They got divorced, but she still has a net worth of about eight hundred million. What she she owns, uh, hotel rest like uh, hotel franchises, and she has ownership. Check this out. She has ownership or uh, shareholders in the Washington Wizards, NBA basketball team, mm. the Washington Mystics, which is the WNBA team. And the Washington Capitals, which is the hockey NH, uh, NHL team in Washington, D.C. Wow. Okay. Number two, always got to give a throwback. Always got to put a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in your lineup just to let you know you know some history. So, of course, I'm talking about the self-made millionaire herself, Madam C.J. Walker. Let's go. Okay. I mean, it, it, like, look, we had a Nigeria Ingram on our show Today, we've had a John Quill Davis and we're going to have many more of them. And they derive off the Bible that Madam mm. C.J. Walker have written. Don't ever forget yeah. that. OK, Madam C.J. Walker is excellent. Mary Kay should be buying Madam C.J. Walker's family Bentleys for the rest of her life. OK, don't ever forget yeah. that. And then number one, of course, is Oprah. Let's we'll say you. Oprah. Yo, it's
2: yeah. Int- yeah, your list is interesting, right, because when i wrote my list i noticed a pattern after i wrote the five women that i wrote i was like oh that's a theme of women that i'm attracted to for whatever reason whether it be like i look up to them or i'm inspired by them or i'm interested in being romantic with them it's all the same type of women so I don't know if that can be the same can be said for you, but if we notice that most of your women that you picked or all of them are in the media entertainment industry, and they have made headway in that in that space
0: that is true now you know what's so funny. I actually went over this with uh it's so I feel bad that we I'm saying this out loud, ladies, but with a dude. <laughs> About these five women, and he said the exact same thing that you just said. He said, "Come on, dude, just because you're in multimedia, you're gonna pick some women that's in that field." And I said, "Well, hold on. What if the powerful black women are in this field, though? Mm. Think about that. The same way our Latino friends and our Hispanic friends are running landscaping uh, landscaping jobs, uh, you know, landscaping contractor jobs and construction jobs. Why can't our Black sisters create a niche in this field because we have the next generation in Issa, right? I'm just saying that maybe this is the hit, the hill that Black women can run amok on and it would look great because they're doing great things in this field right now. I'm,
2: I'm, I'm going to give you my five and it's going to be telling of who I am. Okay. And I'm going to go down the list as I wrote it. Alright. Number one, Harriet Tubman. She's Harriet Tubman. I mean, like she she freed. She you know she uh, conducted on the Underground Railroad. She freed a bunch of slaves, and she was no nonsense. She was really serious about this freedom thing. She would shoot you if you wasn't a part of the plan, and I, I, something about that floats my boat. Right. <laughs> the second woman was Sojourner Truth. Sojourner Truth. Was big on women's suffrage, right? So she was like one of the the mothers of feminism, and she was always talking about women's rights, but her thing was that she put black women on the same level as as white women. And, and in her speech, I am I am a woman, uh, which was a question, like she was saying, like, yo. This man over here is saying that he's going to hold the door for me. He's going to, you know, lay out all the stops for me to be better. But she's like, yo, I'm a woman. I do all that myself. She was talking that in the the early 1900s, 1800s. Like she was talking that talk way back then. And that was very, you know, um, that was, that was... For that time,
0: that was very revolutionary. You know what I'm saying? Oh no, she she definitely earned number five. If you put it at number one, I wouldn't argue with that. So the next one is Ida B. Wells.
2: So Ida B. Wells is in that multi uh that multimedia thing because she ran newspapers and she was the media, yes. but she also advocated for women to carry guns. She also advocated she was fighting against um, lynching and she was very anti-lynching and she was out on the forefront and promoting that. So all of these women so far, uh, maybe to truth, I haven't had any accounts of her having a gun, but Ida B. Wells and Harriet Tubman definitely packed a shotgun, right? So with that being said, my fourth... <laughs> My fourth person is her name is Stagecoach Mary. Right, so this is a this is a little known Black history fact. Stagecoach Mary was prominent in Western expansion. Uh, she was born in like eight, in the late 1800s. She died in the early 1900s. But she was the first African American woman to be a mail carrier. Now, and think about this. She's in the Wild Wild West, being a mail carrier and a black woman. So she was kind of fooled out there. She carried a shotgun and she was no nonsense. And everybody knew who she was when she came to deliver that mail. Don't play with Stagecoach uh,
0: stage Mary because she would put something hot in you. I'm definitely taking my mail if, if Stagecoach Mary <laughs> is, is at it? my door. Stage coach. Hey,
2: stage coach. Hey. Thank you. I mean, yeah, we don't want no problems. No problem.
0: Yeah. This is my bill, right?
2: No problem. Um, Mary Fields is her, is her actual name, but I want to give a shout-out to her because she was a strong, powerful woman. And then the last one, five, would be Asada Shakur. So Asada Shakur, I know I went back in history Asada Shakur is the probably the only person on my list that's still living. And I appreciate her because she was a Black Panther and then she transitioned into the Black Liberation Movement. Um, she broke out of prison and uh, fled to Cuba where she's currently granted asylum. She's like the most wanted person on the FBI list for the last 30 years. And she lived life on her terms. She did not want to be a political prisoner and rot in rotten jail. And she fucking took matters into her own hand and she got away. And I want people to keep hands off Asada and let her continue to be great because she was fighting for the liberation of black people.
0: The only thing I would say to you, um, <clears throat> sorry, the only thing I would say to your five is. You just displayed another version of what powerful is through audaciousness. Those five women were audacious. They were bold. They were brave. And they they saw, they they actually had a lot of mother in them. Mm. They saw the next generation. It wasn't even about, they did selfless things. Realistically, with, come on, what Harriet Tubman did. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that is, this woman would have got killed over saving 15 people and it would have been all worth it for her. Right. Because That's- she know that somebody else would have just picked up the, the shotgun and would have continued the the you know what I mean? Would have continued that 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 uh would have continued the tradition basically. Hey yo, what the f this the poly s- right here.
1: Would you live in an augmented reality?
0: All right, so
2: you know I've been pushing and talking about this NFT thing, non-fungible tokens. Um, we had an episode in the past where we talked about Fortnite and their influence on you know, the world and the community and how things are going. Um, so I came across this article where uh, a, a creator of an NFT is saying that, Humanity is going to be living in an augmented reality fairly soon, like within the next few years. So there's going to be a situation where we are in the comforts of our own home, but we are interacting with the world through virtual reality or other means of reality that isn't physical, so how do you feel about that? Could you live and thrive in a world
0: that is augmented? When you see, yo, you... <laughs> such a projector of the mind. Could I live and thrive. See, see, if it was just live, I could be like, no, I ain't got to live in that. And it's all good. But and thrive now is like, yo, dude, now, you know, so you got to put some work in on this virtual reality, bro. Like don't even act like that. Come on, man. You is smart. Yo. <laughs> Funny as hell, yo. I'm saying, I mean, if I had to thrive, if I had to live and thrive in virtual reality, I'm pretty sure uh I would just get a podcast one in and I probably a thrive. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? Like if that's where life had to go. I'm not going to lie in in where my life is where I've watched all these crazy futuristic movies from Mad Max to Total Recall uh to Fifth Element, they all have this certain idea of what the future's going to hold. If there is some type of virtual push that we all have to get into in order to live I'll probably be one of the last lines of people to do it because like, I'll like. i be like are you sure are you sure you're sure because last time you told me that Black Planet was the wave okay right, right. and before Black Planet you told me that the dumb chat line was the wave okay now I mean now <laughs> now you know what I mean back then even before Facebook it was my space I thought that was the wave Now we on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat had a little run. It it died out. Von had a run, died out. Now TikTok running stuff right now. It's, I mean, Trump, well, I mean to use his name, but you know, they got that new thing, Parler. I'm just saying it's it's all over the place as far as streaming because being, for the most part, being online is cheap as hell to start. Mm -hmm. Technically. Like think about think about this for a second. You can technically put a bullshit commercial on Instagram for like 20 something dollars a day. Mm-hmm. Do you know how much money it costs to have a commercial on television? Right. Do you know how much money it cost Michael Jackson when he had to go on live television on ABC and was like I did not touch those kids? Do you know how much money that costed him? Wow. But like he actually did that. Like, listen, I I gotta know. I'm sorry. I know it, I know it cost two million dollars. I gotta talk to the public. Are you crazy? Right. You know how many people bought Thriller? I gotta talk to the people. Let me. Hi. <laughs> My name's Michael. Yeah, Michael Jackson. Yeah, you know, the one that moonwalks. Yeah, look. They're gonna say some things about me. And I did not do it. <laughs> now watch Remember the Time.
2: Um, so me. I'm I'm ready to dive head first into this. Right? I don't have any apprehensions about any of this. But I feel like when we are looking at the world and how it could be, it's just so much opportunity and it's I I equate it to the gold rush in the 1800s where we where America was like yo we don't know what's out west but we going out there and we going mine for gold and we gonna become rich and we're gonna do the thing so I feel like the people who got there first and who figured out their method is gonna benefit I even asked the question it had to be like three four years ago I asked the question on Facebook like yo if your own personal Facebook was your own city, so say, for instance, you took your Facebook profile and it was your city. You were the mayor of your own Facebook profile and you ran the city virtually. You know what I'm saying? How does how would people react to that? And now this is a real possibility because... They would say,
0: they would say you ain't no real motherfucking mayor.
2: But, but think about the influencers, right? If, 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 if my following on Facebook, if I'm running it like a city and I'm like, yo, you have a business here, you have some real estate here, you are, you know, the, the, the treasurer, you are a city council person. And when we interact on this site, we treat it as if it's an actual city, I feel like there's some potential and opportunity in there
0: for people to benefit from it. Ayo, hey, you over here making virtual jobs so you can have virtual sex. Yo, you terrible, dog. Yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is hold
2: Demolition on. Man. Remember on... What was that? Which, which movie was that? It was Judge Dredd. It was Demolition or, Man. Huh, Demolition Man. It was Demolition Man. Where they was having sex virtually... When we get to that point where sex is virtual, I think I might commit suicide. If you would like to be a guest on The Late Night Flight, hit me on my Facebook DM at Hanif Sowell or email us at thelatenightflight at gmail.com.
1: Should the WNBA lower the rim? All right, so I came across
2: this article where uh, Shaquille O'Neal was offering his advice saying that the WNBA should lower the rim. And Candace Parker, a uh, WNBA player, uh, said that Shaq should basically mind his
0: business and stay out of it. Absolutely. What, what say you? Okay, so of course... We know that she's right. But there is something that Shaq... So let's start with what Shaq said. Or what Shaq is leaning towards. Leaning, leaning towards. Shaq is saying, lower the rim. Why is he saying lower the rim? Because what do people pay to see? People dunking on people. Right. Okay. Now, let's, let's, let's understand this. Candace basically replied, you know, got on her mother's style and was like, listen... First of all, my children is on earth, so they're going to be the ones doing Tomahawk Jan's going to be crazy. Don't worry. Here's what we got to understand. It's kind of like this podcast, but this is on a whole nother level because they get sponsored by the NBA, which makes all type of money. So for the women that don't watch the sport, but complain and say, there's crazy wage to dis- uh, what's that word? Disparency in the WNBA versus the NBA, I mean, well, yeah, the WNBA started in the mid-90s. This business just started. So right now, as it's a quote-unquote fledgling business, but it's a dope business, I would say give it another 10, 15 years. You're going to see the next generation of Yamaya Moores and Candace Parkers coming out here doing Tomahawk jams. You just got to mm. give it to Tom. Right. Shaq should know better to not even say anything like that just because of what the climate is, period. Right. But don't get me wrong. I understood what he said. I disagree because, of course, it's, it's like, for, for the business, yes, I understand what you're saying. But I don't agree with it because, look, honestly, let me just be honest with you. The WNBA, whoever their PR is, are, they do a terrible job at promoting their uh, their, their their athletes. Mm-hmm. The point blank period. They don't know how to promote their athletes. When they promote them, when I used to go to New York Liberty games with my ex girlfriend, and they will always make them look so pretty. Like when you see them players in the billboard, they want to look like mega pretty. And I'm just looking like, yo, know, these women. Are not saying that they're not pretty. Some women are pretty. It's just that they're athletes. Right, promote them as athletes. That's right. what they are. They can they can do like fifteen hundred burpees in like three minutes in front of your face. Like they athletes, yo. Right, right, promote right. them as such. You trying yeah. to promote them like some video vixens that just so happens to do a post up? How about that? You know what I mean? So it's disrespectful in that way. Uh, but again, but that's their league. Like they need to figure that out. They, they absolutely.
2: So I was I was talking to somebody about this today, and they were saying that like. It's one of those damned if you do, damned if you don't things because if they should lower the rim to be more explosive and be able to do dunks and all of that, then the complaint is going to be like, well, you lowered the rim. So that's why you were doing it. You know what I mean? And they're going to question their athleticism because you had to make a concession in order for them to be able to do it. So like you said, allow them to be who they are and. Eventually, they'll evolve into a, a league that uh, where women are normally dunking and doing more of the spectacular things that we see in the men's league.
0: The NBA was 15 teams of white people doing forward dribbles. Right. There was no crossovers. There was no post-up jump shots. Right. There wasn't no shorts that came to your knees yet. Right. Jordan was getting paid one or two million dollars a year in the 80s. Right. He wasn't getting this, oh, I only play 14 minutes a game, but I'm making 18 million dollars of, you know what I mean? Like, right. The leagues have to progress, the business have to grow. But, but with all that being said, even if women are dunking right now by lowering, lowering the rim, to be honest with you, it's not going to make that much of a difference. Let the WNBA just be the train that it's going to be right now. It's going to get better. It's getting better. Right. You know what I mean? They got prominent women in the league right now. And it's sad to say that they can't, they're not getting paid. Like, yo, listen, do I think Candace Parker should get paid $12 million a year? I mean, yes, obviously, sure. But based on the business that she's a part of, can they pay her? Not really. But I don't think that she, be, she, she should be getting paid only $60,000 a year either, though. Like, honestly, Candace Candace Parker and Maya Moore should be the only two women that should be garnering a straight, legit $1 million contract. Mm. You can, uh, you know, I'm not saying that there's, there's other really good women. I just don't know their names like that. But I know those two sisters... They should be signing a contract $1 million straight up. And you can just decipher the rest however you want to go with the other ladies that's in the WNBA. But they got to do a better job at paying their women as far as on a, a pay scale that makes sense to the business that's fledgling. But at the same time, listen, I'm not trying to disrespect teachers when I say that. But again, they're going state to state, arena to arena, dealing with other millionaire, you know, billionaire businesses. So with that being said, if your teaching union ain't going through McDonald's and, and, and Costco to be getting this sponsorship, then you can't sit there and say teachers should be getting paid more money. Get your teacher's union to get sponsorship so you can be getting paid more money because the WNBA is loaded with sponsorships, okay? Plus, they're sponsored by the NBA, so they're never, even if they fledge, they'll never die unless the NBA wants it to die. Hey, yo, what the f***? is some poly right here
1: why aren't women having more orgasms
2: uh we have a special guest by the name of najia ingram she is the owner of a silly beauty products and she's going to talk to us today about women and orgasms najia how are you this evening i'm
1: doing fine how are you
2: i'm doing pretty good um everything's good um so if we could just get right into it um uh on facebook you uh mentioned that most women fake orgasms and i wanted to get your take on that so i've i've read i've read articles i've seen discussions about like a large majority of women who do not reach orgasms through penetrative sex and we want to know what the problem is and how we can overcome it to make sure that women are having a more pleasurable experience with sex. So, why do you feel like most women are faking orgasms these days?
1: Um, for multiple reasons. I would say, um, just trying to save their partner's ego. Mm. Um, just not wanting to have that uncomfortable conversation. Um, Some people just want to get it over with. Like, you know, if I fake it, you're hurry up and get yours in because you probably caring about me and we can just get this over with. It's probably, you know, probably not going to revisit this again, you know? And then another thing I just feel as if that women are now coming into a situation that we're able to openly be sexual. And um, I think at one point in time, people just assume that if a woman is wet, basically she got hers off and that's not the case. So it's really not even about penetration at some point. I have spoken to women that they're like, I really didn't even have an orgasm off of oral. So Mm -hmm. it's just not always about penetration because some women, as long as we get ours off of the oral part, we good for the rest of the, you know, the rest for the show. But if I'm not getting anything, in part 1 and part 2 that's the mm. issue so um yeah so i think it's for multiple reasons but for the most part it's just that that uncomfortable conversation that i have to tell you yeah what you was doing that wasn't it basically so i see
2: know. um so I, I i i was reading articles um mm-hmm. to try and see if i could put the pieces together from like a scientific perspective mm-hmm. and this one article that I came across that seemed pretty interesting this it gave me seven reasons why women might not be able to orgasm right okay so now I'm going to tell you these reasons and then you tell me if you agree or disagree and then you know we, we can discuss it all right all right so the number one reason is alcohol intake If a woman drinks too much, the blood flow to her clitoris is impacted and that could cause problems with the stimulation there.
1: Um, I will disagree with that. Okay.
2: (laughs) Highly,
1: (laughs) Highly, highly disagree.
2: Disagree. Okay. The second one, this is a little bit closer to what you were talking about. It's communication issues. Being able to tell your partner what you want, how you like it, um is very important when it comes to a woman being pleased one thing that that i would say they suggested because of ego because of insecurities or whatever they suggested that you do a more positive approach as opposed to saying don't do that say i like it better when you do xyz So to, okay. to kind of help ease us into being more comfortable
1: hmm Yeah, got to protect that that little ego. Why not?
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, All right. The third one is lack of body confidence. So if you're not really comfortable in your skin and you don't feel comfortable naked or around your partner, that's going to cause all types of mental distractions and you're not going to be able to get into it.
1: I agree. I agree with that.
2: Okay. Uh, the fourth one is medical conditions. So uh, if you're suffering from any any uh, medical conditions such as multiple sclerosis or if you're taking any sort of antidepressants or antihistamines, which Mm -hmm. is like allergy medication, then that could be causing issues with you. That makes
1: sense. That definitely
2: makes
1: sense.
2: Um, Sexual stimulation. So this is saying that most women do or orgasm from clitoral stimulation Mm-hmm. So this is putting the onus on men where, well, no, it's actually keeping the onus on women and saying a lot of women don't explore their bodies enough to know what parts of their body is primed for reaching that orgasm. So mm-hmm. they're encouraging you to kind of know what you want or what you need in order to be able to tell your partner.
1: Right. I agree.
2: Okay. Uh, six is social pressure. So if you're stressed from work, you have some financial issues, um, you know, just life is kind of, you know, throwing you lemons and you're oh, not absolutely. really feeling it. You don't be
1: busting no nut if you broke. So you there you go right there.
2: You can't get into it. And then the last one was just your overall mental well-being. So if you're experiencing depression um, or anxiety, it's probably going to affect your ability to to reach orgasm. I agree. Okay,
1: I agree with most of with all of those except that first one.
2: (laughs) So who do you put the onus on? Is it men? What should men do better? Or does women need to figure out a different way that they could take accountability in this space?
1: Well, I put the ownership on the women, right? Because I'm a firm believer that people just do what they feel like work. So you're not going to just come into any situation knowing that this is not going to work. Most men approach a sexual situation based off of you know what they feel like was working. Um, a lot of women bodies are different and it's up to us to say, you know, that's not it. This, this Sex is not just for one party. And I think that communication is the number one thing. We will discuss... What are we before we discuss what you should be doing? Like mm. this, this was making me happy. This is this is what I need. And don't get me wrong; those conversations are very uncomfortable. I've been in situations that I had to have that conversation. And my thing is this: like, if this is what we're going to be doing, if this is going to be a consistent thing, we're both having to have that conversation. What I like to do is. I like to lead out with like, what do you like? You know, like mm-hmm. what do you like, what, you know, what do you like as a man or what pleases you? Because at that point that's going to open the floodgate of now I can tell you what I like, or I will hope you would then say, okay, now what do you like? So it's not me just, all right, whatever, whatever. Now I'm trying to open it up because the ego is very fragile, you know, and I don't want you to feel like I'm coming down on you, but Listen, uh-uh. no. listen. <laughs> uh, uh, no. I'm a listen. Um, I'm a firm believer of zodiac sign. I'm a Scorpio woman. We are very in in touch with our sexuality, and I can say that if the sex is not good, I will not be around for. <laughs> sex. Uh, it's really that, that's just really where it stops. Please subscribe and download to the Late Night Flight on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Every subscription helps us towards our efforts in having a career in podcast radio broadcasting. Hey yo, what the f***? This a palace sh- right here.